Hey everyone, Editing Mike here. Just want to stop in and say a quick word before we start the show. I've been doing a lot of different podcast stuff lately. Been messing with some settings, and unfortunately, I recorded this entire episode in binaural or interview mode, so I sound a little echoey. It's going to be a very noticeable difference when we start the episode for how I sound then versus how I sound now. I hope you'll forgive me for that because this is a very special episode and we have a lot of fun news on this episode. So without further ado, let's start the show. Player two has entered the podcast. Welcome, welcome back, people, to Player Two is Enter the Podcast. I am your host, Michael, a.k.a. MC Paper Stacks, and we have a very special episode today. The dawning of a new era, you might say, in Player Two. The official launching of Season 2 of Player Two. And to help me with this momentous occasion, my co-host with the co-most for today, my Player Two, if you will, is... Big Nkrumah! Hello! Of the Gamer Friends! Big Nkrumah, thank you so much for stopping by. Well, you know, Mike, you're really of the Gamer Friends as well now. Yes, yes. In fact, it's not a coincidence that you're here because part of the change is... We're going network. We're going. We're going convergence. We're going merger. What do we call this? Hey. I think. I think all of those things apply. It, it is a convergence. It is podcast assemble. <laughs> 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 well, we're really excited about it. Really grateful to you for stepping in and helping us achieve some of the goals that we want to achieve by continuing your glorious podcast and we're so happy to support and and now be a part in a in a different way thanks okay so for those who don't regularly listen to the gamer friends they just launched their 100th episode and they explained it in more detail how would you describe your your current focus we're going to be doing deep dives into a limited number of topics every week and perhaps even just one topic it may be a game it may be uh, a tv show it may be a genre the sky is the limit in terms of what the actual subject matter is going to be but we're going to have some of our recurring folks come on more frequently and kind of like really lean into the idea of correspondence in that way like you know we're going to have someone who is the authority who comes on to talk about xy thing and we're just gonna really dig into the weeds on that thing hopefully have some deeper and more engaging conversations so that we're not trying to cover a million different things really leaving a lot of the news and analysis and that kind of stuff up to you here at player two and so uh, we'll be popping in here now and then but your guests will also continue unabated and we'll just be cross-promoting and supporting and figuring out what next steps look like when we get there exactly and i really like this approach because i think you guys are really good at getting those focused guests and narrowing in on those topics and i like being able to take the news off your plate and just kind of complimenting your episodes with these episodes so gaming news will be the main focus of this player two show and it will be bi-weekly on the off week we'll be looking at focused gamer friends episodes and that way every week you're getting it you're getting the news of the past two weeks or you're getting those focused episodes personally i am going to continue the backlog that's probably what i'll be doing on my off week it's a much shorter more focused episode i'll be playing one game at a time you may or may not be interested in it but it kind of you know keeps my skills sharp for that off week i guess oh yeah <laughs> And you've had some great episodes recently, little paper stacks. That's so oh, cute. yeah. Yeah, I had my little boy on to talk about his favorite gamer. He was geeked to do that. <laughs> eagle-eyed viewer, uh, eagle-eyed, well, I should say listeners, but uh, if you happen to look at the show art, I actually put a picture that he drew of the Silly Dillo up as the show art. Adorable. That's a Junior Paper Stacks original right there. <laughs> he's a drawn fool, man. He comes home and draws like he's an animator, just picture after picture. I was like, we got to scan these bad boys in. He's drawing so much. Try to do something with that work. All right. Well, <laughs> without further ado, we need to get into it. It is the triumphant return of a boot. Air it, air it. I gave the news. Ugh. <laughs> 
probably the last time I'm going to sing that. <laughs> Hopefully not in private. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. We had quite a bit to cover, especially since I haven't talked news in a while. So depending on how far we get in, I may skip a few things or we might keep the whole thing. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear. We'll see. So first thing up, Tencent. And Sony Interactive bought up 30% of From Software's stock, uh, reportedly to help development and establish a framework to help that developer grow, right? The claim is they want to develop relationships for future cooperation, and this whole buy a large stake in a developer has some people concerned, especially considering who's buying it. But did you have any thoughts when you looked it over? I, I did. They are connected to some other news items for the week. So I will pull my punches a little bit and just say, very interesting, mm-hmm. the degree to which Sony feels comfortable naysaying certain acquisitions and yet participating in others. That's a good point. Quite interesting. I don't particularly understand a world in which From Software needs to grow. Elden Ring was for many weeks and months, depending on who you are, the only news story that mattered. Huge game this year. Huge. <laughs> it, it seems inevitable to win game of the year. Other titles in previous years have won game of the year. Sekiro was highly lauded. Everyone loves the Soulsborne experience and loop, as we've talked about many, many times over the years. So the justification doesn't really ring true to me. It just kind of seems like the first step in making From Software a Sony studio, which if that's what you want to do, go for it. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I don't have an issue with that, but... I do have an issue with the framing in connection to some other news items. And it's an interesting point you bring up because that is one of the things that people are kind of playing the tape to the end on. They're saying, okay, you're buying a stake now. Is your aim to eventually acquire it? And if so, why not just go ahead and acquire it, right? And then you have Tencent coming in and also buying up part of that. So 70% of the company, I presume, is still theirs. 30% is split up between Tencent and Sony. I mean, with the way that Tencent runs their games, there's also the concern that they're going to throw in microtransactions, loot boxes, that it's going to affect the design of From Software games themselves. Yeah. Which they always say in the beginning, "Eh, none of the money is going to affect anything. EA loves to say that type of shit. But (laughs) we all know that depending on who's funding it, they do have a say. And these companies have not shown much restraint in the past. So I think you bring up a really good point about their antitrust arguments and how they differ depending on the situation. I agree with that. All right, well, let's move on to more Sony stuff. Sony is firing back with an answer to the Xbox Elite controller, it looks like, with their own DualSense Edge, I think is what they call it. We got a charging case, we got remappable buttons, sensors, multiple profiles. It looks like you can swap out paddles. They got the back paddles, too, with the switches for, like, different macros, larger touchpad. There's no release date and there's no price, but, I mean... Are you, have you ever owned an elite controller? Are you the type of gamer that's like, I need to go that extra mile? Um, I would prefer not to say how many elite controllers I have purchased over the years. (laughs) Let's just say that once you go elite, it is difficult to play with other controller types. And so the unfortunate construction of the elite controllers has led to many a replacement in my life but the controller itself when it is working is the best experience that i've had on an xbox notoriously i do not like the location of the thumbsticks on playstation controllers i prefer Mm. them being offset in the way that xbox has them it's just weird for my thumbs to be on the same perpendicular line is it perpendicular or is it parallel i don't know (laughs) i think it's i think it's perpend. i don't know either man i don't don't like that they're on the same latitude they're on the same plane yeah 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 yeah. and (laughs) I was hoping that this controller would allow for other options. I also wish that it had more than two paddles. However, 
all that said, the Dual Sense controller overall is the best controller experience that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. There's just no getting around the haptic feedback being miles ahead of what you can experience on an Xbox. And so I'm definitely intrigued by this, kind of looking to ski. Now that we know there's only two paddles, is Scuff gonna let me have the offset thumbsticks? Maybe I go with a Scuff instead, but I'm definitely that guy in terms of buying these absurd controllers that you don't think that you need until you have it and then you realize that they're so fucking good. Yeah, no, I agree with you that once you have it, it's gonna be hard to go back, which is probably what stopped me from getting them in the first place so far. Plus, I know that console releases are split out, but I feel like it was just yesterday that I got my fourth PlayStation 4 controller for four-player <laughs> whatever. Then the pandemic happened. And I had like maybe a four-player sesh once or twice with local friends. Now I got all new consoles to buy controllers for. I, I, got, I was set for Switch. I was set for my PlayStation. I was good to go. And now I got the Series X and the PlayStation 5. And I'm like, oh, I got to do this all over again. So, yeah. I guess, though, freshly, I need a new controller. Why not throw an extra whatever it is? I don't know. <laughs> what, what do you? How much do you think it's going to be? Uh, like, would you like to speculate on that? One fifty. I th- I think it's going to be one fifty. Okay. That's what you can get the elite for. There's no reason to overprice it, although Sony doesn't mind jacking up the price on things. Yeah, Jim Ryan will say something like, well, with the the innovation of the haptic feedback, gamers will definitely be able to tell the difference. The deluxe experience or some CEO bullshit. Anyways, we have stuff about Jim Ryan today, too, actually, but let's move on. Okay, more Sony news. This just happened, I think, a day or two ago. Maybe it was yesterday. They got their newest PS5 update. And this has been rumored before, but now it's officially launched, 1440p for select games. So you're not going to get this resolution for every single game, probably their flagship games. You're going to get it for Horizon. I'd be interested to hear what you think about the change, you know, if, if you notice a difference. Do you have a TV that supports 1440p? Do any of us do? <laughs> so... Let me again embarrass myself and say that because this is my main hobby and because the pandemic has severely curtailed my interest slash ability in like going out and doing things, Mm -hmm. virtually all of my spending money has gone into this hobby. So I do have a television that can handle 1440p. In fact, I do 4K 120 FPS whenever possible Wow! on my TV. And for the Xbox, it's been a great experience. For the PlayStation, I haven't missed too much the ability to to do this and to be honest with you i just play far more on my xbox and so i'm excited for this but i don't think it's gonna like change my life yeah i think it's cool to have the option especially when you know it's going to enhance those games that they spend so much time and money on like horizon so i mean cool 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 that it's there and even cooler that it's there is the addition of game folders Although with this particular system, since I haven't expanded the memory yet, unlike other systems where like my storage on my Switch, for example, I can hold hundreds of games on the Switch at the same time. So when they finally added folders, I was like, thank you, even though it's still not easy to get to. So it's like worthless that they even have them. But with the PlayStation, the way that the blades work out, folders actually really do help. I use them a lot on the PlayStation 4. So that was good news for me. Not sure why it wasn't a launch thing, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, there are several things about the PS5 that have confounded me (laughs) because the majority of my gaming is multiplayer and I really just use my PlayStation as a single player game machine. Uh, You know, it's all good. It's whatever. Fair enough. The last one we have directly about Sony, I just thought was interesting. This was reported in a few outlets and on Twitter. Americans, apparently, according to Sony's PlayStation data, they earn the fewest platinum trophies over all regions that have PlayStations. We're at the bottom. We're, we're not out here earning trophies, apparently. We just don't care. Choose a metric of societal participation, and the United States is probably at the bottom. So this is not surprising yeah. to me. <laughs> we haven't been number one in a while. <laughs> Healthcare at the bottom. Education at the bottom. At the bottom. PlayStation yeah. trophies at the bottom. Is there a correlation? We don't know, but, you know, it's a look at. I mean, listen, we could definitely talk about how overworked 
and under vacationed Americans are. And perhaps that is the reason why all these other countries get mandatory time off and stuff like that. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. we have three or four jobs to make ends meet. And so we just don't have we don't have the time to put into the trophies, unfortunately. That is a really good point. They they go on to say with this data that Japan and Europe hold the most trophies. Japan plays the most hours on average. But interestingly enough, and I think this might play into what you were saying, too, they have fewer games. So on average, the U.S. has about 10.7 titles per different user and Japan is about half 5.9. And I think it's because we only have time to get into game for a certain bit and then it's just old news and we have to get into the next thing. We don't like you said we don't have time to really deep dive and play and enjoy. Whereas Japan, they can relax and stay and play apparently. So <laughs> interesting. I'm just going to assume that that is correct and that we have solved this issue for the people. We now okay. know why this is. Yep. That is, yep, I, I think that that answer, no need for further research. We, we nailed it. First try. Got that. Perfect. Moving on. Microsoft. <laughs> we alluded to the story a little bit earlier. Microsoft continues to try to dodge antitrust. Mm. There's scrutiny, of course, because of the gigantic acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Both of our shows have covered this, and we both allude to the fact that we're probably going to be talking about this for years to come, because it is huge. Phil Spencer has been out there doing the Phil Spencer thing. He assured publicly, not only Call of Duty, Overwatch and Diablo, going to be on Game Pass day one, but also the PlayStation is going to get access to those games day one. Now, He's very careful in his wording, I've noticed. He's very particular to say that they're honoring existing agreements. And then, as far as the example of COD, I believe, going so far as to put three years on the end of the PlayStation agreement that exists currently, right? Jim Ryan spoke up. Not my favorite person, but he made an interesting point. He pushed back and said, yeah, I don't like that. It should be on PlayStation indefinitely. And it's it's so integral to PlayStation. It's been on PlayStation forever that... This really hits the market hard that you have the ability to to pull this from us, and it's unfair. And he's signaling to anybody that'll listen, like, hey, keep an eye on this. Uh, um, What's your opinion on the whole thing? This is going to seem like it comes from a place of being a fanboy. And so I want to be really clear that fundamentally, I am against huge conglomerations, and I am anti-capitalist and pro-consumer. That's where I position myself, generally speaking. On this in particular, I feel that the hypocrisy is too overwhelming to ignore. How many titles has PlayStation stolen from Xbox by paying developers to keep exclusivity on PlayStation for an indefinite amount of time? I still haven't played Final Fantasy VII Remake on my Xbox, would love to do that, but the exclusivity window is indefinite. We thought it was just going to be a year, but clearly Mm. it was not, and maybe will continue on forever. All of the single-party titles that PlayStation pays to keep exclusive on their platform, all of the studios that they bought several years ago, like their infrastructure was set up to do this, and that was the business model that they chose. Mm -hmm. Xbox, to maneuver around that, went with Game Pass and went with all these other options, including now buying their own set of studios and stuff. I don't see why this should theoretically be different. I do understand that the size and breadth of Activision does make it different, but like, come on, I if, if I wanted to have a full Call of Duty experience on Xbox, I can't because there are exclusives to PlayStation forever that they have paid for so cry me a river like boo-hoo now it's your turn like really we should live in a world without exclusives you should be able to play whatever you want on whatever box but that's not the world that we live in so it just kind of rings hollow to me that you're complaining now that you are going to be the the studio or the company that is disadvantaged by someone else throwing their money around i don't know it's hard to sympathize no, that's that's actually an amazing point, uh, what you're saying there. I completely agree. I also am anti-capitalist, and I'm definitely against all these large acquisitions. It's funny to look at these two companies squabbling and then look at something like Nintendo. Exactly. Right? 
because Nintendo lost Final Fantasy in essence because Final Fantasy wants to keep up graphically and Nintendo's not about that. And they were like, fuck it, Xenoblade, let's just lean into that. And that's been profitable for them. And the biggest joke for the longest time about Xbox is they don't have any games. You know what I mean? A lot of us PlayStation fanboys, I would include myself in that because I didn't really, I didn't mess with them last generation. I did 360 and then I just kind of hopped off. I saw which way the wind was blowing and I was like, eh, not this time. Yep. This is a chance for them to plant a stake and say, hey, now we have some exclusives and try to compete. The size of the acquisition is giving everybody pause, but for Jim to just clutch the pearls in this instance, I get you. Yep. That said, do you think that pulling these games away from PlayStation will hurt them in the effect that it will actually cause an imbalance? Or do you think it'll it'll more balance things out? If you look at the numbers of people playing Call of Duty on PlayStation, I do think that there will be an impact down the line if you can no longer play Call of Duty on PlayStation. I don't think that that would be the right move, not just in terms of being pro-consumer and and giving people choice, but also if you now own Call of Duty, you're essentially saying that I'm going to cripple my sales globally because I want to spite PlayStation. I just don't think that that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there will now be an imbalance in the sense that the full experience is going to be on Xbox and you don't really have to shell out as much money if you would like to participate in that experience via Game Pass. I don't think that this means the end of PlayStation, though, because can I play God of War on my Xbox? Can I play Horizon on my Xbox? Can I play any number of single player titles that are incredible games like incredible I'm playing Spider-Man 2, and guess what? It's not going to be on my Xbox. So, yeah, maybe you lose some amount of money because the Call of Duty player base, even if 50% of them leave PlayStation to go over to Xbox, that's probably going to be a big deal. But again, like, how many times have I had to migrate all of my stuff over to PlayStation in order to have an experience that I could have theoretically had on Xbox if they weren't paying for exclusivity for such a long period of time. The the best example that I have is is Destiny. As you know, I'm a huge Destiny mm-hmm. fan. Bungie is now fully owned by PlayStation. They have made similar promises that it's not going to be taken away from Xbox, but you don't see Phil Spencer out there complaining that a previous Xbox Game Pass title may potentially be a PlayStation exclusive. And what choice am I going to have but move over to PlayStation if that's what they decide to do? Like, there are so many counter examples of games that maybe aren't Call of Duty big, but are still really, really big games that PlayStation is setting up to be their own exclusive. And so, I don't know. It's just hard to feel sympathy. Really what we should be moving toward is a world where I just get to choose where I experience any of these games. Unfortunately, we're not going to see that until we dismantle capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, that's a long road ahead that maybe our kids' kids will fight. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I I hope so. Uh, I I hope. I, I, you know... The arc of history does bend towards progress, however hard we have to push and however many steps back during. (laughs) So we'll see. Well, you raised some very valuable, interesting points. Game Pass is about to change the game again with the family plan. You know what I mean? Where you're going to pay like four or five bucks a month if you're in a, a full family plan, which will be easy to do. Because one thing that Xbox is good at is group gaming, multiplayer gaming, kind of like all the games that Activision Blizzard's good at. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it seems like it might find a home there. And I agree with you, it's not smart for either side to cut off their nose to spite their face, you know, to, to say, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And traditionally, to your point, Sony is more the take-their-ball-and-go-home company. Exactly. So, so spare me, Jim Ryan. <laughs> I'm glad... <laughs> You've shifted me a little bit because I wanted to find a reason that to, to not like him and to poo-poo his statement. But part of it rang like, eh, yeah, I kind of get what he, where he's coming from. Screw him. Now, <laughs> if that statement came from, let's say, Ubisoft, then, mm. I, well, I guess that doesn't track because they don't make a console. Um, yeah. If that statement came from Valve, right? Okay. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Like, they're cool because it's going to be a PC game, probably. Probably. Why would they not allow that? So, I don't know. I just... I feel a lot like Sony made their bed and now Microsoft's playing in the same game and Mm -hmm. they're a little salty about it. And I think it's, it's actually a little funny, which is not to say that Microsoft is blameless. I know that Max Booty was out here being some booty about a few things. (laughs) Aptly named for spitting that bullshit. (laughs) Matt Booty. We talked about Matt Booty before on this show, the whole kerfuffle about crunch being a thing of the past and all we shouldn't, hold up companies for what they did a decade ago excuse me mr booty fallout 76 was what 2018 yeah okay and don't tell me there hasn't been crunch since then either crunch that you have oversaw or partnered with or supported either directly or indirectly i don't want to hear it but he's in the news again i'm glad you brought him up because of some very insensitive statements he made in regards to qa testers oh my god to denigrate testing a at all when we have what the there are so many games that have released that shouldn't have been released and needed more QA testing period mm-hmm. like cyberpunk being the most recent major 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 example but far from the only example of how crunch and bad QA can really really hobble a launch and a game in general and let's confirm it's it's bad QA leadership the yes. people on the ground report them damn bugs. Exactly. There are so many YouTubers and Let's Players out there that used to be testers that have horror stories of what it's like and how they're treated. You know what I mean? Nintendo's in hot water. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. And they are reporting these bugs and leadership is just like, whatever. We need to get that money. We don't exactly. care. And that leads to the second huge faux pas of this statement The very first unionization in your industry came from QA testers for a reason. It's not an accident that it was the QA testers at Raven Software who were the first. And now we have all of these other rumblings of unionization. Your company has said that you're not going to stand in the way and in fact have an agreement for how you're going to handle potential unionization to then throw out that maybe the AI should just take over is just so stupid. Not even maybe, not even maybe, like dreamily wishing that we could find a way to use AI to replace testers. It's short-sighted, it's stupid, and it's anti-labor. Like, what does that mean for the future of game development if you feel like you can outsource something as critical as UI? There's just, there's no way that an AI is going to be able to find all the nooks and crannies that players do. Look at how many glitches and bugs that players find, even in well-tested games, even in games where the QA is done Grand well. Theft Auto Definitive Edition. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't believe it. And it's, yeah. it's really insulting. And I hope that the unions go after the statement. Even if we have the technology, let's shoot forward and say that we finally do have AI that could do a good job job i'm not inherently against automation in a bubble in a vacuum right Right. but when you pair it with rampant late stage capitalism the automation we used to dream of during the jetsons age where we have all this shit that does things for us so we could live a nicer life maybe work less during the week that's not what happens they see a way to get rid of people stop paying them all together and then just save more money The idea isn't to make our lives easier, like Matt Booty suggests, like he's romanticizing about. The idea is to put people out on the street. They think that they're moving towards Star Trek and they're actually moving toward Blade Runner when (laughs) there's no reason why we couldn't be moving towards Star Trek. No reason at all. No reason at all. All right. So Matt Booty, foot and mouth, man. Come on. Mm. You're you're Mm. 0 for 2 in five months. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) all right and and this was older news but i'd mentioned the family plan and i just want to remind people that the ball is rolling on this they're testing in ireland and columbia right now but if you haven't heard xbox game pass ultimate what is that 15 dollars a month 16 dollars a month i believe so yeah so and that that gets you access to everything xbox live gold the cloud gaming the huge list of titles and pc game pass if you're a console person That's right. That's right. That's right. So you have a family plan that they're touting where you can have up to five people in the plan. That's the current test. And translating to American dollars, 
around 22 bucks a month. So you're only, I mean, that's even better than Nintendo, I think, even though their price is inherently cheaper, but you get a lot more with this. Yeah. You know, doing the quick math in my head, four or five bucks a person, even if you don't have a full five, you know, depending on how you split it up, that's amazing. Yep. Because I've been considering, here's the thing about me, and people who listen to the show know this, especially, you know, past episodes, I bounce back and forth constantly between PlayStation and Nintendo and Xbox. But because of recent titles that came out, like I was playing Fire Emblem Warriors obsessively. I hadn't touched my Xbox in like over a month. And it dawns on me that I just threw $15 down the drain. Mm. But the idea of being able to hop on there when I want to, to occasionally check out the new Turtles game or whatever is what keeps me there. But my co-host with the co-most, Full Metal Merc, he used to cancel his intermittently. And with this, it's such an afterthought. Like, I know, and this this is me speaking a bit from a place of privilege, so take it with a grain of salt. But $4 a month for me to have access to that and not worry about it is really worth it. It really is. I am super excited about this. I know that, you know, you and everybody else in the Discord, we're all keen about it. Start gathering your people now, because it's coming. Yeah, I have a crew that did the Nintendo thing, and I think my share every year was like five bucks or, or something. Yep. And Enya's on my crew, so. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Enya got on my crew, because we have oh, one extra that's spot. so cute. <laughs> um, yeah, right now, I actually don't pay for Ultimate, because you can game share and get a lot of the benefits. The only big difference is the gold games. I can't have access to they suck um, anyways yeah they they mostly suck sometimes yeah, they have those sherlock holmes games and there oh. was one that i wasn't quite finished with and then we switched and i didn't have access anymore and i was like, yeah but how expensive is it how expensive is it well, sherlock holmes more expensive than free uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway we're going to probably go in so that I can have all of the features now and then have however many spots left. So it's just going to keep the price going down and they're going to get more subscribers overall out of this. Probably I doubt that it costs them really much any more than what they're already paying for the infrastructure. So I think this is a win-win and I don't know, man, like as much as I do not want to just blanket praise Microsoft, I know that there are a lot of issues. There really are genuine genuine antitrust concerns about the Activision Blizzard acquisition. I have conflicted feelings about Activision Blizzard as a company and everything that has happened there. There's a lot to say that's negative, but I don't think that there's really anything negative to say about the Game Pass situation. All that data that came out a few months ago about how Game Pass games do better in terms of overall sales than mm. games that are not on there, that indie developers are making more money than they otherwise would without being on Game Pass. I'm discovering games I wouldn't have played otherwise. Exactly. Like, totally. there are so many things that I really just wouldn't have even tried mm -hmm. if it wasn't for Game Pass. And something like Back for Blood, I would have never bought any expansion material for that but mm -hmm. now i don't have to pay for the base game so i'm gonna you know I, i'm happy to throw it. you 10 bucks for this new season worth of stuff that's fine I'm, I'm enjoying the game and so here you go and don't worry we do have negative stories aside from matt booty there was a story <laughs> we've already reported on this and i thought it was already a done issue but i saw it come up in the news so much in the last week the huge energy drain that Xbox standby mode has on people's power. If you bought an Xbox before May 2022, which I believe I did, I know you did, by default, you had a power save mode called standby mode. Maybe similar to rest mode on PlayStation, but it's, it's more in the background. You don't have to activate it yourself. And it was reported that it's 15 times more costly than leaving the PS5 in rest mode. And then it's just a huge power and energy drain. I think they said something like almost $200 a, a year if you leave standby mode on all the time, which is wild to me, especially because I'm the type of guy, I put all my stuff on power strips. I, I do a tour of the house at night. I'm like, flick this off, flick this off. Got to say that money. <laughs> so... When I heard about that, I immediately went into my settings, you know, way back when, and I removed it. And it, it doesn't even matter. It's a, it's a moot point for me because my Xbox is on a power strip, which I click off at night. But occasionally I'll leave it on, especially if I have rest mode on and I want to... Because here's the cool thing about Xbox, the PlayStation really needs to catch up on, okay? 
Xbox has got the quick resume. Is it perfect? No. But when it works, it works. Yes. And I can completely shut power to my Xbox. Power strip and all. No power is going to this bad boy. Leave it for a week. Come back. Hop immediately into a game. No loading, no splash screens, no nothing. For multiple games. PlayStation, no do. (laughs) There's there's a balance to the story, but people, you got to check your settings. Because wow. I was in the middle of a Cult of the Lamb run and needed to get off. And I was really worried about what was going to happen because I was doing really well. My RNG was in my favor. All right. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a good run. And I was then forced off. I had to shut down completely, actually. Mm. Um, I forget exactly what the situation was. And I was just a little worried about how it was going to work when I came back. Because you're right. It doesn't always work with every game. Not every Some game. games are just not as good about it, which I don't think is an Xbox thing. I think it's more of a developer thing. It could be a developer thing. I've noticed that, especially with the Xbox first party titles or larger budget titles, it seems to work better than with indie titles. So you're right to be concerned about Call to the Lamb. Yeah. No, no shade against Devolver. They're wonderful. But, <laughs> you know. Well, it worked perfectly. Like I awesome. got right back in. It was totally fine. I always have done energy mode just because from the get-go, I was like, I don't, given how well this works, the the going back in thing, I forget what they call it. Um, yeah, um, uh, quick resume. Quick resume, yeah. Given how seamlessly it was working, I was like, well, I don't need the standby mode. How many games am I playing where I need to have the update download overnight? Big games that I play, mm. uh, if it's a work day or whatever, I just wake up, I turn on my Xbox, it downloads the update, and then by lunch, it's off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it shuts itself off, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I uh, personally have not been impacted by this, but it is concerning that that seems to have stayed under the radar for so long. You you mentioned hearing about it before. This was actually my first time hearing about how big of a problem it was. Oh, wow. Okay. And there's really no excuse. Like being environmentally friendly at this point should be a core aspect of anything that you build, especially given our limited amount of lithium and other types of things that go into the batteries of all of these devices that we enjoy so much. So Mm -hmm. I don't know when we invent nuclear fission, then this won't be as much of a concern, but until then we are just rapidly accelerating our descent into climate apocalypse. And so if you are an Xbox person, please do your part and turn it off. And don't feel guilty. It is not your fault, nor is it personal responsibility that's taken us down this road. It's it's corporations. It's military. That that as well. Also, I mean, (laughs) NFTs, also crypto, also all kinds of bullshit. However, it is easy to do. It helps you personally. Go ahead and make sure you guys check that out. Go into the settings, switch that bad boy over. All right. I saw this article. It's something that next episode's guest actually shared with me. In fact, quick shout out to Draven because he is a guy that I met, I believe, through TikTok. And he's local. Big fan of the show. He was one of the people that reached out to me when we rapidly switched up our format, and I appreciate him so much. He was so excited about this new format that he just whipped up a bunch of news stories. Mm. And by the time he got to it, the addendum to the story hadn't happened yet. So originally it was reported that Amazon was rumored to buy EA, and the rumors were pretty strong, according to the sources at the time, that EA wanted to sell. They were making the case. You know, Amazon wants a bigger gaming presence. They regularly have prime perks for EA titles, so there's already a relationship there. But when I went to check the article, there's a big disclaimer. (laughs) I was like, this was uploaded without vetted or named sources. This is not how we do business. We apologize profusely. All this story is wild speculation. So I'm like, they pulled that back pretty hard. Mm. I don't know. What were your thoughts when you took a look at it? I didn't have a super, super strong reaction because i was pretty skeptical from the beginning that that it was a real rumor yeah because they're, they're already pretty close with microsoft not that microsoft would buy them but i never heard about them wanting to sell before now either i have heard the rumors about them wanting to sell okay um so that piece wasn't surprising it was the amazon part i think that amazon is too arrogant to want to purchase their way out of 
the problem that they've created for themselves. Mm. And I also think that the success of New World, even though I didn't play it, it was undeniably a success, even if it didn't last for a super, super long time. I think that that is probably like the wind beneath their wings over there. And they're just like, okay, we're going to keep chugging along and see what we can build on our own. I feel like it would just go against the way that they do things to Mm. purchase their way out of it. Now, Apple... If there was a rumor about like Apple wanting to buy EA or yeah. Google wanting to buy EA. Yeah, I'd buy Google for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that makes more sense to me. I have to say, I really only care about Apex and Respawn generally. Like I want that sequel to the Star Wars Souls game, Jedi Fallen Order. Like I mm-hmm. I, I would like that sequel. I would like Apex to continue. Otherwise... I don't know, like, let Maxis go. Like, maybe The Sims will get better. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What else do they even make that is worth talking about? Like, Battlefield is a joke at this point. Yeah, true. Even if they want to sell, what are you buying? I I don't know. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. All right. Well, again, they, they pushed back pretty hard on the fact that somebody there was just being a maverick and uploaded a bunch of speculation. So fair enough. <laughs> Activision in hot water. Allegedly. And really? I, Activision? <laughs> I say allegedly, <laughs> but I mean, it looked pretty cut and dry. They were accused to have stolen art for a player skin in Warzone. The original artist, his name is Sale Lin, he was on Twitter back in July, and he was side-by-side doing a comparison of his art versus a new dog skin that was added in Call of Duty. And Activision did issue an apology and immediately removed the skin. There's speculation in this story, you know, how, how did this get so far? How was it so blatantly copied? What happened? And I've seen similar stories like this, too. And the conclusion of the article, and my conclusion almost immediately, was... Plagiarism is usually due to an employee being overworked and underpaid, right? What really happened over there? And and is this the right thing for them to have done to respond to it? I agree with your conclusion. Have you heard about how this happens very frequently in the Star Wars fandom with regard to like their extended universe stuff? I have not heard that yet. No. So Disney is like lifting art. Uh, I wouldn't say Disney because it's a longer standing problem okay. than the than just the Disney acquisition. But like people invent ships and things like that. Like there is, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, a deep <laughs> culture oh. of oh Star God. Wars fanaticism. And people will find that their ship ideas are suddenly involved in like the next novel that comes out. And there's a sketch of it or something like that. So there's been some pretty outward plagiarism and that seems to be the conclusion in those situations as well like the comics the star wars comics that have been repeatedly caught plagiarizing from the fan art community in star wars generally that seems to be the run of the mill answer that it's just a a labor issue ultimately Mm. that said there are examples of companies not plagiarizing but instead leaning into their community for instance the sims recently if you buy a pack that they've put out in the past i would say like six six to eight months Mm. all of the content in that pack was made by a content creator that they chose to work with all the complaints about the base model houses being awful well now they're made by the people who make money on youtube building houses and building buildings and stuff like that the most recent packs are like stuff packs and they've partnered with people who make custom clothing to make clothing for the pack and that seems to just be the way out of it. You're not going to pay those people as much as you would pay someone in-house, which is a conversation in and of itself about whether yes. or not you should be yeah. doing that. But it does get around the issues of your own staff being overworked. You have a really passionate person who wants to contribute to the game. You offer them a fair price, hopefully. I do not know the details of how much these people are getting paid. And then you just avoid the issue overall. Like Everything gets done and everyone seems happy. And the community is like, oh, one of us, one of us. And I just don't see why you don't do that. Keep the skin in the game, but pay the dude who made it. Yeah, that's I I think that that should have been the response. It should have been, hey, you know what? We Because they said how much they were in love with the skin, but then they just removed it. You can't pay this man. You can't kick him some money. 
Right. You don't, Isn't I mean, that the obvious solution here? Because that's what he ended towards. He was like, nobody talked to me. Nobody compensated me. I mean, it sounded like he was amenable to that type of situation. And you're right. When, when you really look at it broadly, we've seen it implemented poorly, a la like Bethesda Creator Studio. Hello. Uh, or, or we've seen it actually be a Cinderella story, like Sonic Mania, I believe it was, where they took all of those fan developers of Sonic games, they hired them, and they just made the ultimate 2D Sonic game. And it, it fucking did gangbusters. People loved it. You yeah. know, there's a way to, like you said, get around this ethically. I doubt everybody's going to take the ethical route, unfortunately, but I'm glad that attention was called to it and there was enough pressure for them not just to hand wave it off. So yeah. I'm just really tired of these multi-billion dollar corporations pretending like they don't have a few grand to throw to an artist Yeah, who like, again, is that what it's worth? No, it probably is worth much more, but doing it for free as a passion project versus getting $5,000 for it. And then Mm -hmm. you're incentivized to create more and, you know, maybe you can negotiate a higher price or something like it just seems so simple, but people are so greedy. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is the way of the world right now. Uh, Moving on to Nintendo. We talked recently, or we talked in a previous episode about a complaint filed to the National Labor Relations Board regarding Nintendo's treatment of its workers, and a second complaint was just recently filed. That makes two in the last half a year. The complaint was related to rules that were implemented that weren't like overtly anti-union but when you break them down they were pretty much anti-union it was about getting together in groups discussing work in certain aspects and certain lights that may lead to a union right it's pre-union busting pre-union busting right laying the groundwork so that it's harder for a union to take root which to me is union busting and i'm hoping that the nlrb will see it this way too you know, Nintendo has probably a better res- reputation out of the big three, and only just recently has light been shed on the fact that no, they're not perfect, and yes, they have the capacity to treat their workers terribly as well. So I hope that this continues to happen, that this galvanizes people, that we see, you know, the snowball kind of rolling down the hill. But I'm wondering, like, you have more experience with this than me. What does it take? How many complaints do you have to send to the NLRB before they launch a full investigation? Could they be in one now and not talking about it? Yes, you really don't need to send more than one. If anything, sending more than one and having like substantive evidence to back up your second claim is really just going to make the first one worse. They're probably not gonna treat them separately but rather treat them as as part of one big case as you know from my lefty position i am dissatisfied in almost every way with the biden administration however same the one really really good thing that biden did that's just undeniably good is put some excellent folks on the NLRB. They have really, really been backing the labor movement up for the past few years. That should be a campaign point for Biden in 2024. He should be talking about how big the labor movement has been able to grow in large part because of a supportive NLRB. Like under Trump, it was just really, really bad. Mm. Uh, And so they were making a lot of negative rulings and the NLRB under Biden has largely reversed a lot of that stuff and in fact has gone far enough to secure what many people would argue were already the rights of people to organize, but have, have really shored them up. And so I'm not skeptical at all. I do think that the NLRB is going to take action on this. They've completely had the backs of all of the other video game unions in terms of the complaints. The most recent big news that they made was forcing the Starbucks CEO to put a video out about all of the awful union busting that he's been doing and promise not to do it anymore. That's awesome. There, there are really positive things happening there. And so I'm exceedingly optimistic that this will not only help the labor movement in Nintendo, but will probably galvanize the labor movement within Nintendo. That's amazing. That's really good to hear. You know, that actually reminds me, I did hear, and I don't know if this was concessions behind the scenes with Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, but I heard that Joe Biden did hire a lot of Bernie's labor people into his administration and that they are doing good work and i guess that extends to the nlrb so 
Yeah, the labor secretary sucks, but the NLRB is great. Okay, uh, and and that's really where the power is, frankly. <laughs> like, <laughs> as as long as the labor secretary doesn't step in the way, yeah, it's it's pretty good news. So definitely, if you're out there thinking about a union, get it done before 2025. <laughs> get it done. Yeah, just in case. All right, well, moving on. We got more Nintendo news. Good news, actually, this time. So Nintendo has announced it's going to remove gotcha elements from Mario Kart Tour in October next month. So what this means is instead of doing the whole loot box slot reel, like you pay money to get a random thing rather than the thing that you want, they're going to remove that completely And you're still going to have monetization because it is a free mobile game. But if you want a certain hat or a certain cosmetic item or whatever, whatever, you can buy that directly, which I mean, that should be the standard anyway. So super awesome right step in the right direction. How old is this game? Tour has been out since before the pandemic, because I remember talking about it back in 2019. So probably 2018 or 2019. So probably pre anti-gambling loot box laws in the eu like perhaps this is a change to bring them in compliance because what you're describing is gambling essentially Mm -hmm. if you're not getting a guaranteed thing yeah i i think i've heard about the fights in europe but i also heard that aside from maybe a few countries for the most part people were able to continue on like uh, because you know konami's in that fight ea is in that fight and it sounded like they were winning last i heard yeah you can definitely get around it if you're willing to put out multiple versions of your game okay uh for instance i believe it's the netherlands where in apex there are just no loot boxes at all because even the apex ones violate the law there and so everything gets done in a i forget exactly the the way that they compensate for that but the essentially the game infrastructure is completely different wow um And they must make so much money off of the loot boxes in other countries that it's worth it for them to essentially manage a completely different version of the game just for that specific country. And then any other country that would enact a similar law. So just I have not played this. And so I don't know how egregious it was, but I'm curious if that might be. part of the reason why and honestly any i mean because one thing they don't release and one thing there i know they were fighting to release is statistics for the rarer Mm. items like just how much money you have to spend to realistically get one they've been looking into that for fifa and other things and it's gross so that that could be part of you know the egregiousness of it i just think having it at all is not great and it really like you said it's it's gambling and it encourages people who are susceptible to that type of trap to impoverish themselves almost and spend a lot more money than they should and the argument on the other side is personal responsibility or you know you just gotta keep a lid on your wallet or whatever but they don't understand the psychological tricks that a lot of these games will play and that there are people out there that are susceptible to them like there's a reason why we regulate gambling like it really can be an issue just like any other addiction so and i have to say As someone who is not a fan of personal responsibility rhetoric in general, the thing that that really misses is that these games are not just being played by 18 plus adults. They are being played by children and children even more so than adults are susceptible to this like brain chemistry mechanism where they're really trying to tickle the part of your brain that gets excited about these random rewards. And even if a child might not be gambling in the way that we think about traditional gambling addiction, what you're doing is setting those children up for future issues and all for monetary gain. Plus, how many stories have been in the news about kids like using their parents' credit card behind their backs and mm-hmm. all these other types of things? I don't know. I just it seems like a no brainer to me. It's anti consumer to do it that way in the first place. Just let people pay for what they actually want in terms of these cosmetics. And I doubt you're going to see that big of a drop off. And also what's, what's a few extra tens of millions of dollars for a multi-billion dollar corporation. Like it just all comes back to how greedy the, the system really is. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. Nintendo wasn't having a great week recently because of major huge leaks 
regarding Splatoon 3. This was interesting because I was reading into this story about the leaks and I was like, oh, another leak. Does somebody hack them? And no, this happens more often than not. But retail versions of Splatoon 3 just went out a week early. Like people just got the game through no fault of their own. They pre-ordered it. They figured it would arrive on release day. Officially, as the release of this episode is when Splatoon 3 is supposed to release. But there's so much footage out there on YouTube right now of the game. You know, there's spoilers everywhere. So I thought that that was interesting to point out. And I mean, it it brings up an interesting point in regards to the ethics. I mean, should people who get the game early be able to like put footage online? You know, I mean, Nintendo's been notorious about dropping the hammer on things similar to that. And I'm wondering how they're going to handle it. And if they can even control things like this happening in the future, you know what I mean? I think that's a really interesting legal question because we're right now in this transition period where you can still quote unquote own a game, but for a lot of us, we don't really own the games. If Splatoon was on a Nintendo streaming service, a la Game Pass, and got released early on accident, Mm -hmm. and you don't really own the footage because you're not purchasing it, then I could see them doing takedowns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that will work if you legitimately purchase the game, you own the copy of the game, and they wouldn't have stopped you from putting up footage as of 12.01 local time on friday so Mm. what can they really do about it without potentially rocking the boat on that kind of ownership i remember when persona 5 first came out there was a disclaimer in the beginning of the game and i think it was for reviewers but it was also for early adopters asking not to stream the game past a certain point and for in console recording devices like you know how you can broadcast your gameplay natively on playstation but occasionally you'll get that thing like you have entered a block scene recording has stopped they they activate it past that point and doesn't really matter for professional streamers they can still stream but i'm wondering like you said there's legal implications I don't know. The The whole idea behind taking down these things in the first place is that you should be able to put it up because you own the game. You bought the game. And also, you're not replacing sales. If a person is keen on playing the game, just seeing footage isn't going to stop them from buying it. And if it does, they never really wanted to buy it in the first place, at least in my opinion. Unless they change their mind about the game being good or bad, but is that really on us? You know? I think that's exactly right. It's, <laughs> it's a really interesting question. I don't know. Like... <sighs> Personally, I don't love spoiler culture in multiple ways. I don't love the people that believe that if you say the color of someone's hair that you've spoiled the experience for that. Like, I think that that is absurd. And I also would like to experience things for myself. And if I'm not looking for information that is coming out early or data mined or leaked, I would prefer not to know. I don't watch Marvel trailers past like the second one because there's just a lot of stuff that I would prefer to not know at all. Mm. All the casting rumors about Fantastic Four driving me nuts. I would like to not know. That would be my preference. But in terms of these video games where there's ownership potentially involved, it's really it's it's a really interesting thing. I know that technically they still own the copyright. Mm-hmm. So you don't just get to do with your footage whatever you want if they have a problem with it. But it seems like if they wouldn't have an issue on Saturday, but they do have an issue on Thursday, but it's not being... You have a physical copy and it was kind of a, a distributor issue. Mm-hmm. What can you really do? I don't know. It's, really do? it's an interesting question. Yeah. And, and to your point about avoiding Marvel trailers, I just feel like there's etiquette on both sides that should be followed. If you're the type of person that thinks hair color is a spoiler, get your ass off the internet. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. But if right. you're the type of person that puts the spoiler in the thumbnail, so the day Fuck I get you. up and I look at my YouTube like <laughs> thumbs and it's like, guess what happened in She-Hulk? I'm like, bro, I just woke up. It launches today, right? 
And I do see those. Like, I have a channel I follow, and it's like 43 different things you didn't notice in today's episode of She-Hulk. I'm like, y'all are crazy. But it doesn't have any spoilers in the thing, so I'm like, cool. It just reminds me I need to watch She-Hulk today. So, (laughs) it's it's, there's etiquette on both sides. We need need, need to uh, figure that out, for sure. (laughs) To, To wrap that up, it was fine for me to see that Megan the Stallion was making a cameo or guest. I didn't know what the context was, but Megan, the Stallion yeah. was going to be in an episode. Uh-huh. Great. The fact that I saw the twerking before <gasps> I saw no! the twerking. That was the yeah. best part. I feel like it kind of ruined it a little bit for me. I would have enjoyed it much more if I didn't know that it was coming. That was an so... amazing moment for me and my family. If I, when I tell you <laughs> that we, we saw Megan, the stallion and she Hulk twerking, and then they just launched right into her song for the rest of the credits. All four body, of us, body, body, even body, body, even body. my baby, who had to hold on to this to do it, we were just shaking our asses for three <laughs> minutes. We were celebrating. The best part about it, like what ran through my mind first off, other than like, oh my God, this is hot, was, <laughs> oh my God, the neckbeards that are going to just lose their shit over this. I love it. I mean, I don't, I'm not the type of person that's like own the other side. But when I think about something that's going to piss them off when it's harmless, that brings me joy. I don't know. The self-reference in the show about those people, by the way, I don't know if you saw, yeah. was copied and pasted from the announcement of the show. Really? They took they took comments that people made on the announcement of the show, and those were what they used. For the, you know what? I did notice that. I heard some familiar things because they had that that montage, that smattering of reactions to her from the public. I know exactly what you're talking about. Fucking genius, yep. dude. <laughs> Fucking genius. All right. We're about to wrap it up. We got one more story and then an announcement. So this, I believe I just saw this today. So this is pretty fresh. Games done quick. Speedrunners extraordinaire. GDQ. Love them. They obviously haven't been having a whole lot of in-person events because of COVID and and the pandemic and everything, but they're coming back. They recently had one. And I love their in-person events so much more because there's an energy in the room when someone's speedrunning live and you have the people behind you and you got the panel and everybody's talking about the intricacies of the game. For me, it's just, it's a much more enjoyable experience. They recently announced that they actually had to drop an in-person event in Florida for the safety of their participants due to how Florida is handling COVID and their recent attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community. The top comment, I think I read it on Kotaku and the top comment was, you know, the whole, Oh, why are games gotta be political? Get your politics out of my games. And then the top response was shut the fuck up. Snowflake. (laughs) 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 I love turning their language back on them. Cause dude, why are you triggered by that? You need to calm down. Like, I don't know how it's political to not want like a large portion of your community to feel discriminated against or excluded. And I don't think it's hard to argue that the don't say gay bill does that. And also they're not just like lifting COVID restrictions of Florida. They're anti-vaccine because if you're vaccinated, I mean, I think I've, I think we've caught COVID twice. I know for sure we caught it once. We're in the air about the second time. But all of us have been vaccinated, and while some of it is, it sucked a little more for some of us than others, we survived, right? And there's there's so many people that either refuse to get vaccinated, or and there's a lot of vulnerable people, people that can't. And going in the large unvaccinated communities is very dangerous for them. So Florida's whole vibe lately, I read that story and wasn't surprised at all. Yeah, good on them for being in solidarity with folks. My personal opinion is that if you're having indoor stuff like that, you should have a mask requirement so that everyone can participate because there are, just like you said, people that either can't get vaccinated because of pre-existing conditions or their immune systems. They should not have to live inside of their homes for the rest of their life because we can't be bothered to put a mask on our face also i like this is not about gaming specifically but the advice to move from cloth masks to n95s should have happened way earlier i wear a mask wherever i go still and the n95 legitimately is so much easier to breathe in not that i was one of the people that was like cloth masks i can't breathe like that's was just never the case however it is fine 
to wear an N95. And I think if more people just adopted the N95 life, we would be in a much better spot. So I'm happy that more people are going to be able to participate this way, not just from the COVID stuff, but also just not forcing trans people to put themselves at risk, frankly, in a community that is not always openly hostile. Openly hostile. Exactly. Yeah. So good on them. It's a shame that they have to do that. And again, I mean, we are on the precipice of a lot of change and a lot of progress. And whenever that happens, we get a lot of pushback. So always I am, I'm trying really hard to stay positive and stay hopeful. And it's hard some days more than others, but I truly believe that collectively as a community and definitely the youth, like we're, we're pushing towards a place where just by default, we're respecting the entire community and we're making decisions on their behalf that, uh, you know, would would benefit their well-being and safety. And I don't think that that should be something to balk at or be upset about. So, nope. All right. Well, next episode we're going to be doing on the 23rd, and I'm definitely going to be covering the Tokyo Game Show. So look forward to that. That's happening the 15th through the 18th, and I'm super excited because I love Japanese games so much. <laughs> and, you know, obviously we'll cover the next two weeks of gaming news in general. So I hope you'll join us for that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Big Nakuma, thank you so much for joining me today. You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for folding me into your network. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for, again, filling that space. We've been talking at gamer friends for a while about doing our format a little bit differently and we were just we we hesitated because we still wanted to make sure that news was getting talked about it's still going to be important it's not like we're never going to talk about news but you know we might focus on unionization for instance or Mm -hmm. focus on one particular event versus really trying to cover everything so we appreciate you being able and willing to do that we're really excited about the future and still have a few things in the works under the hood that we haven't announced yet and i'm excited to have you a part of all those things as well yeah and i had i I had an overwhelming response when i reached out to a lot of my associates and friends that i've worked with or had the pleasure of meeting through this podcasting journey And I have over 20 people that were like, I will host with you. I will co-host. So player two, expect a new player two just about every episode. It's going to be great. You know, I think I have enough. I can go almost a whole year. You know what I mean? That's awesome. So yeah. yeah, super happy about that. Now, for the folks out there that are interested, I'm updating my link tree to include a link to Gamer Friends because we are now affiliates. So definitely check that out. But is there anything specifically you want to plug or mention to listeners of the show right now? No, I I really think, you know, just check out Gamer Friends. If you haven't, we would love to have you be a part of the community. We've got a growing Discord. Mike is in there. Anyone who's in the Player 2 orbit is more than welcome to join and hang out with us in there. And we look forward to expanding even further. And we'll have some announcements about what that is going to look like hopefully soon. Excellent. All right. And don't forget, folks, we upload new episodes to our hub at anchor.fm slash player two has entered the pod. Now, once again, every single Friday. But our podcast is also available on other platforms, including Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Check out our newly minted link tree. If you want to get up in that Discord, if you want to check out the Gamer Friends, you should. And also for all of our other socials. If you want to contact us, you can do that via mcpaperstacks at gmail.com. If you want to support us monetarily, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash player two is under the pod. Shout out to my co-host for supporting us on that. And also, hey, hey and also Wavy Merck. Appreciate you guys. And I believe that is the first episode of the newly minted gaming news format. We did it. All right. So special shout out and thank you once again to Gamer Friends. And for those of you who came out to listen, we appreciate you. We love you. And we hope to see you next time. Take care. Adios.